Let's go to God in prayer before we get into our text this morning. God, we are grateful to you. We are grateful for a day where we can come together as saints, as brothers and sisters, as heirs of your kingdom. That we can build up and encourage one another while at the same time we are bringing you worship and glory and honor. We can confess with our mouths and with our hearts and with our songs who you are. And we can allow ourselves to be transformed by your mighty and powerful spirit. The temptation is to leave him here when we leave, is to go from this place and, and quickly move on to the many things that compete for our attention. I pray that we would be diligent, and that we would be bold and we would be courageous as we leave this place and we would constantly seek where your spirit leads and guides and that we would continue to be transformed by your presence within us. And Father, for the next few moments as we Um, explore your word I I pray that you would just allow our hearts to be soft that you would allow our spirits to be still you would allow our minds to be open and that we would be present in the moment that we would put aside the things that weigh heavy on our hearts surrender them to you at this time so that we may see the way your spirit would move within us we thank you for Jesus we thank you for his sacrifice We thank you for the unity that we have in his blood and the hope we have because of what he has done. It is in his name we pray these things. Amen. All right, well, we kind of, we will uh, reset the series here for a moment as we come back to our I Believe series. Let's get to the right chapter. Acts chapter 17 is where we'll be here in just a moment. We don't have to look for it later. There we go. Acts 17, 29 is where we're going to get to here in just, just a few minutes. Um, I believe, um, if you remember when we began this, the question is, when someone says, do you know what you believe, or what do you believe, um, immediately there are many things that come to your mind, probably. Uh, or if someone says, do you even know what you believe? Well, yes, I know what I believe. Well, what is it? Well, it's kind of hard to put into words how much time you got. Right, because Christianity is a pretty complicated way of life. It's really not, um, but it but it can be, if we don't have a real grasp on um, what it is that we believe. Uh, you can boil it down to something as simple as love God and love each other. That's what Jesus did. Um, but as you and I both know uh, the people that you and I will come into contact with each day are going to want something a little more concrete than that, and and that's not unreasonable. That's a good way of summarizing it. But the question really is, what do you believe? And do you know what you are saying when you say something as simple as, I believe in God? Do you know what that confession means? So week one, we looked at, I believe in God. Week two, uh, we looked at, I believe in Jesus. Uh, Week three, we looked at the crucifixion. And week four, we looked at the resurrection. And those are, you know, the four of the first, we'll look at eight or nine very basic tenets of our faith and really talk about what it is that we believe. Uh, So if you have someone that's curious, or if maybe you missed a series, or have someone who could use something like this, you can find those on our website, goodwoodchurch.org. You can find them on our YouTube channel. Um, I post them on Facebook every week with a link to those two places. And so I hope that these will be a tool for us 
not only to remind ourselves of what it is that we believe, but maybe this is the way that we can begin to have conversations with people uh, and as a tool to, to reach people when they really want to know what is the church all about? What does it mean when you say you are a Christian? Maybe these are some things that we can use. And today uh, we're going to look at, I believe, in the second coming. Uh, you know, that there will come a time where Jesus will return uh, to claim his people. Uh, it's a very important aspect of who we are as Christians because it gives us a motivation to do something besides just living a good life. You know, it's this understanding that not only is there a resurrection, but there's a resurrection. There will be a time where Jesus will come back and he will take his people home. So this comes immediately following what it means when we say, I believe in the resurrection. Uh, because this is when the resurrection really comes to reality for us. is when Jesus comes back and takes us. We believe that because we've looked at the ascension uh, two weeks ago, that Jesus is now seated at the right hand of the throne of God, sitting next to the Father, and he will return to judge the living and the dead. Um, let's look at Acts chapter 17, and this is where we will uh, leap from today, and we'll rest here and move in a couple other places, but mostly we're going to rest in these uh, words. Luke writes this in uh, Acts chapter 17. It says, Being God's offspring then, we shouldn't think that the divine nature is like gold or silver or stone, an image fashioned by human art and imagination. Therefore, having overlooked the times of ignorance, God now commands all people everywhere to repent because He has set a day when He is going to judge the world in righteousness by the man He has appointed. He has provided proof of this to everyone by raising Him from the dead. Right, and so here is, uh, I believe this is Paul speaking at this time where um, he's talking about understanding what's coming. He says, there's been a time where you have been ignorance, but that time is no more. I didn't know is no longer an excuse because God has made his truth known by raising his son from the dead. And the man whom he has appointed will return to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. Um, because of what God, because of what Jesus did, the Son of God, sacrificially on the cross, the Father has given Him the authority to judge the world when, when He comes again. And if we have trusted in Jesus as our Lord and our Savior, we don't have to fear punishment on that day. Look, I, re <laughs> I remember oh, so many times how do I narrow it down to just one or two? The fear of punishment and the butterflies in my belly. Most of the time it happened when I had red and blue lights flashing behind me. I wasn't afraid of the policeman. I knew what the policeman was there for. I knew what I had done wrong, and I knew because it's me, I'm getting a ticket. All right, I'll tell you what I feared. I didn't fear what the punishment was for the ticket because that ticket had to be paid months later. I don't have to worry about that till much later on. I knew 
some way, somehow, I was going to have to tell my dad that I got a ticket. And I knew that that was not going to be a pretty conversation. I knew that was going to come with some consequences that I couldn't fix with just a couple of extra odd jobs. I was going to have to hitch a ride places. I was going to have to find other ways to get to ball games and other ways to get to friends' houses and other ways to do things um, if I was ever able to drive again at all. I remember sitting in the principal's office in elementary school telling the principal, please don't call my parents. I'll take the licks. You don't need their permission. Because at that time, we were still getting licks in elementary school, but they had to call mom and dad and say, hey, um, Josh is doing this and this and this in class, and we're going to give him three licks if that's okay with you. And my mom would say, that is great, because he's getting six when he gets home. You know, and so I'd sit there, and I'd, I'd take the licks from the principal. I just didn't want six from my dad. Please don't call home. I'll take five from you. Just don't call dad. We have this fear of punishment that comes when we know that we have done something wrong. And frequently when we think, as Christians even, when we think about Judgment Day, that is often the kind of sense, the kind of dread um, that comes over us when we think about facing God on the Day of Judgment. When we think about standing before the throne and paying the price for all that we have done because we know that we've sinned we know that over and over and over again we have not lived up to the expectation that God has for his people and frequently that's as far as we see we may fear judgment of God because we expect to be punished for those sins at least in some way. It, I mean, it can't be possible for us to live the life that we have lived and still achieve glory in all of its glory. That's not possible, is it? For those who are in Christ, it is. For those who are in Christ, it is because of what Jesus did on the cross. And because of what Jesus did on the cross, I don't fear judgment. I don't fear the day when Jesus comes again to judge the righteous and the unrighteous. Because here is what I know. I know that because I am in Christ, He doesn't see my deeds for what they are. He sees my deeds for what Christ's were. That everything in the life of Josh is seen through the lens of the Savior. And consequently, for those who are in Christ, judgment is a source of confidence and peace. And in one sense, we can say, I'm not ready for Jesus to come back because we've still got work to do. But if he comes back today, I'm ready. And, and we can get to the end of our lives and we can look and we can say, I am ready. 
I'm ready. I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race, and I'm ready to go claim my prize. We sat in Arkansas with um, Wayne Lee. I happened to be down there for a, uh, up there for a conference um, in one of the last days of his father, and I sat there, and I spoke with him and his brother, um, and LG was awake just for a moment. Um, you know, but the prayer was like, let this man go home. It's time for him to go home. I remember my grandfather leaning down and kissing my grandmother on the forehead and saying, Minnie, we're going to be okay. You just go home. Because for those who are in Christ, there is peace. There is peace in what lies on the other side of judgment because we are confident, not in what I have done, but in what Christ has done for us. In Acts 17.31, the word judge is this very legal word. It means to condemn in a legal sense. In other words, he's saying, you're going to come and you're going to be put on trial. And you know what? If we don't know what it means to be in Christ, that can be rather terrifying to be put on trial by the creator of the universe to be judged by the king of kings and the lord of lords but the thing about this trial is the judge is our greatest advocate and and that's something that we just don't see but when we go into a courtroom the judge is not the defender the judge can't play the role of one who defends a person and one who judges a person we don't have space for that in our justice system. Right? The judge is supposed to be objective. He is the arbiter of the law. You have these other two councilmen who are there uh, to make their own arguments about what should and should not be considered. Uh, but the judge is the one who's supposed to remain objective. But when we stand in the court of God, For those who are in Christ, God is both the judge and the intermediary, the arbitrator. He is both the judge and the one who argues for our freedom. Because we are in Christ and because Christ and the Father are one and the same. He is both the judge and the lawyer. Look at Romans chapter 8, verses 33 and 34. Paul writes this, Who can bring an accused against God's elect? God is the one who justified. Who is the one who condemns? Christ Jesus is the one who died, but even more, He has been raised. And He also is at the right hand of God, and He intercedes for us. And so you see, he says, if you are one of God's elect, there is nobody that can lobby anything against you. Because the very one who intercedes for you is the one who stands in judgment. And he is coming to bring that at one point or another at a time that he has set. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, in verse 10, Paul writes this, he said, For we must all appear before the tribunal of Christ, 
so that each may be repaid for what he has done in the body, whether good or worthless. I thought we weren't going to be held accountable for what we did. It's a different word that he uses um, for this you know, tribunal or, or, or judge. Uh, it's the word uh, bima, B-E-M-A. Uh, and this word is used to describe a place where the victors are stood up in front of the people to receive their reward. And, and while we will be in some form or fashion held accountable, it will all be held accountable through the lens of Jesus. Through the lens of Christ, through the, through the blood of Jesus and the sacrifice that he gave on the cross. And because of what he has done, we are called to live in a way much different than the world expects. And there will be a time when not only will we be before the judgment seat of God, but we will also stand before all to receive in a very public way the reward that God has laid up for us who have been faithful, who have been covered by the blood of Jesus Christ. I mean, it's a, it's, it's a pretty cool scene, isn't it? Like in the Olympics, at the end of the day, when they play all the medal ceremonies, and you have those three people standing up on the platform as the flags are raised and the anthems are played, and you can just see the pride you can see the accomplishment you can see that there is finally a reward for all of the work a reward for the sacrifice a reward for the pain a reward for the agony a reward for all of the things that have been put aside for this cause there is this moment of glory where the world stops and recognizes an accomplishment the picture that Paul is painting here in 2 Corinthians of those who stand in the bema of Christ to receive, to be repaid for what they have done for their faithfulness for their glory and your reward is waiting for you if you are in Christ. What else, what else can we think of that could bring us more peace? You know, that could allow us to endure anything this world has to offer, that has to throw at us, that we can overcome any obstacle that Satan will put in our way because we know that it is worth it to see, to stand before the judgment seat of God and to stand in the bema of Christ and to receive that reward and to hear those words from the Father that say well done good and faithful servant you've been faithful in a few things but more importantly you were faithful in the one thing that really matters You were covered by the blood of my son and your life reflected that sacrifice.
don't know about you, but that can get me through just about anything. There's nothing I can think of that would overcome that sense of understanding. We have a king. We have a savior. A savior who first entered the scene being announced by some crazy wild man in the middle of the desert eating locusts and wild honey, unshaved, ragged, stinky. Not the guy I would anticipate to proclaim the Messiah's entrance into society, but he is the one who looks across the Jordan and says, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. And he was announced in Jerusalem, not riding on a stallion, not wearing a crown, not holding a spear of glory. Not being praised by princes and kings, but being honored by the lowly, by the common. Hailed with palm branches and riding on the colt of a donkey. Because of his humility and his willing to sacrifice. But the next time you see Jesus. The next time Jesus comes to this earth and makes his announcement and his presence known to the new Jerusalem. He will not be proclaimed by a wild man in the desert and bearded and stinky eating locusts and wild honey. He will not be proclaimed by an outcast. He will not be riding on a donkey. He will not be walking in humility and sacrifice, but he will be reigning as the king. As a victorious conqueror who is coming home to claim his people. He is coming to bring them home to the place that he has prepared for you. This is what was revealed to John in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Then I saw heaven opened and there was a white horse. Its rider is called Faithful and True. And he judges and he makes war in righteousness. The victorious conqueror. One of the things I... We have Hulu for our television service provider. Shameless plug. One thing I don't like about it is it doesn't have... JCTV. How many know what JCTV is? Justice Court TV. That's right. I don't know why, but I can, if I, if I catch one of those, I'll watch it. I'll watch four or five in a row. I've seen, like if there's a Judge Judy that comes on, I've probably seen it. I've met Judge Joe Brown, and I've met three people that have been on Judge Joe Brown. I don't know if I should be proud of that or not, but I have. And let me tell you, anybody that's been on Judge Joe Brown will let you know real quick they've been on Judge Joe Brown. Look, Judge Judy is one of these people that, you know, she's a, I don't know if you've ever seen her, but she is a no-nonsense kind of lady. And there are times where someone begins to talk and she'll say, I don't think you want to talk right now. Because you're winning this case, and if you open your mouth, you just might start losing it. And they say, Sometimes they'll say, oh, yes, ma'am, and sometimes they just don't understand what she's saying. They just keep talking. Uh, 
she is no nonsense, and she doesn't take anything from anybody. She's like, stand up straight. What are you talking about? Um, 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 did you not even practice? Like, do you not know that you're in a court of law? You can't even put two words together without an um in between? It's a little brutal, and I feel a little bad for some of those people, and I feel more bad because I'm laughing at it. Makes me feel better sometimes about the things that I struggle with in my life because at least it's not that bad. We have a judge that while he is just and faithful and true, he is also your greatest defender. He wants to be your defender, but he can't be your defender unless you are one of his people. The creator of heaven and earth wants to defend you against all of the things that you have done wrong in your life. He wants to stand in the middle ground between you and his judgment. How powerful is that? But he can only do that if you take your place amongst his people. To be baptized into the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and to receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and the confidence and the peace to approach the day of judgment with no fear. Because the judge is our defender. Maybe today's the day you need to make that choice. Or maybe there's some other way that we can be of assistance to you this morning. If there's any way the church can be of assistance, you can make it known at this time as we stand.